Um, and I think that's what's one of the great things is that it's this is always teamwork. You can never pull off a show on your own, and you can never, you know, no costume is ever just one person's work. There is a myriad of people working on everything. There are so many hands to, to a piece of work. Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Sarah Hamza, who studied costume for performance at the London College of Fashion after being inspired to work in the textiles field from watching her mother sew her clothes and school uniforms whilst growing up. After graduating, Sarah worked on varied projects like the TV miniseries The Colour of Magic as the dye assistant for two episodes and as the deputy wardrobe supervisor on Le Cajafol for the Menier Chocolate Factory Theatre. At the Royal Opera House, Sarah began as a dresser and a casual wardrobe technician mainly for the opera but occasionally for the ballet too, before joining the production costume department as the junior buyer and general assistant. After the Royal Opera House, Sarah worked for the English National Opera as the head buyer and was also one of the in-house costume supervisors, supervising revivals such as Madame Butterfly and the Mikado, and new productions from the 2019 season that included War Requiem, Jack the Ripper, The Women of Whitechapel, and Orpheus and Eurydice. Since January 2020, Sarah has been the head of costume at the Young Vic Theatre. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Dina. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I'm thank very grateful. Your current job is the head of costume at the Young Vic Theatre. Could you explain what that role involves? So within the production department of sound, stage, lighting and costume, I'm the head of the costume department um, and I work alongside the costume assistant. Um, And both of us are new to the role. We both started in January. And it's overseeing uh, the department with supervisors coming in, uh, designers coming in, looking after whatever shows that are on the main stage or within the studio stages as well. Oh, okay. It sounds like a lot of responsibility and logistically. How do you, so when a production comes in or gets signed, I don't know how it works, when it gets signed or agreed to, um, how does your how does your role start? I guess it all kind of begins with knowing who the designer is and then meeting the designer and meeting the director and you have... Uh, sort of uh, an informal uh, talk through gathering with them um, you get to hear their pitch about what how they see the, the vision of their the show get to see their designs if they've got them available get to have a talk with them um, and then once you sort of open up that dialogue with the designer and with the director and you start having uh, you start your relationship as it were to develop the look of that show costume wise um, breaking down what they see the characters wearing, how they see those characters' costumes formulating, like if it's going to be made or if it's going to be bought, um, depending on what kind of era and budget those things are. So it's it's a lot of sort of sitting down and pinning and mapping out the idea of the show in terms of costume and then starting that storyboard of, of how to continue. Ah, and then um, in terms of your, so once you've decided all that and they've sort of said they want this kind of style of costume or they want this made and then this bore, do you have a set of in-house people, uh, make whether it be makers, dyers, um, buyers, do you have a, a, a team of people in-house or do you then for each production sort of, hire, do they bring their team with them or do you have people that come in just for each job? Uh, in-house it's just myself and the costume assistant. So for every production that happens, 
um, it would be a team that you you would employ um, freelance makers, freelance dyers, um, milliners, supervisors. Um, and I'm talking a, a, a lot about the logistics from a, a supervisor's point of view because my history is in supervising and I'm very new to the, the head of costume side of things. So whereby the show that I've just did at the Young Vic in January, where you, you get to, to meet the designer, there's you then allocate have, or have allocated a supervisor to the show and it's handing over the, that information of, of budgets and, and measurements and casting to that supervisor and making sure that they're equipped with everything that they need. Um, and so you sit down with the supervisor and say, do you need a maker? You, do you have the budget for a maker? Have you thought about X, Y, Z in terms of dyeing and, and any other accessories? Do you need us to make those things? Or do you need the assistant to go out buying for you? in terms of what you've seen and in terms of what the information that I've given to you how do you want to go forward okay that's interesting actually because I guess I'm thinking of something like the Royal Opera House where they do have a small in-house team that do then make all the national theatre or something like that so um, is that quite difficult for you then for each say I get also you said I know it's it's a newer role for you but then is it weird then having so many different people coming in you having to interact with different people for every production that you might then do or is it something that you would have been used to when you were a supervisor? Um, it's something that I'm fairly used to because so I sort of started a lot of my career at the Opera House and, and you are you do have the tailoring workroom and, and the women's work um, workroom uh, they have a dye department and uh, hats and jewellery department um, they have a shoe department um, and then moving to ENO um, where they don't have those like a, an in-house full workroom team but they do have a, a dye department and a millinery department so again like that that core team became smaller and then moving to the young Vic when it became uh, just myself and, and and the costume assistant you do get used to to um the different sizes of teams and, and how you make those resources work and how those resources then um become applicable to what kind of show you're going to put on on stage um, and you mentioned that your your experience comes from being a costume supervisor. What does that role involve? That's really when you've been given the information uh, from management um, and then you get to meet the designer and, and you start to pick apart um, the characters and, and how you want to figure out where to go costume-wise. What kind of fabrics do you want as if you're speaking to the designer? Um, what kind of colours are you looking at? What do you want made and what do you want bought? Um, yeah, figuring out all of those fine details to, to then start plotting where to start. Does the um, production in that case become your like baby, as it were? Sort of, do you then, when you when it finishes, do you sort of, is there a little bit of a, I don't know, do you feel sad? I don't know if that's the right word to use. But is there a little bit of like, I'm glad this is over or is it more <laughs> is it more uh because you're always um roller coasting into another production towards the end of like your your current production finishing there isn't ever really a moment to sort of get sad because then your your mind starts to get thinking onto onto the next show and the next production and the next designer and the next set of characters and it's sad in terms of that camaraderie of of, of everyone on that show winding up and finishing but then it's such a fleeting moment because the next day you've got to wake up and get on with the next one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> what um what do you love about working in theatre I guess it's it's doing something different all the time I'm not stuck to um doing emails all the time or doing doing the same particular task every day or doing even doing the same hours every day it's, it's always going to be different um I like meeting all the different people and seeing all of their different skills um figuring out how to bring all of those skills together and, and that's not just in terms of of costume it's all the people that you meet in all of the other technical departments as well and and, and all of the performers and all of the singers and all of the artists it, all of those different stories coming together on the stage I think is such an amazing thing yeah I think um I think well our mutual friend Jenna has said something similar seeing it on stage is something very gratifying I guess you must feel proud as well when you see something you've spent however long on it months on it and then you see it come to fruition and it's there in front of you live as it were it must be a really proud feeling because you never really know what it's going to look like until you see the costume with the hair and makeup in the set with the lighting on the people moving and, and singing and performing and doing what they need to do um I think that's kind of like the the light bulb moment when you go, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I get what 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 I've been trying to do the last couple of months. I guess. <laughs> I think that must be the case for a lot of us though, because um, often I think with um, sometimes in films and stuff, you well in the field that I work in you often you make you get given something to make or they tell you something to make and then um, we don't always go and see what it looks like on the character or you don't go on set and stuff so uh, often you'll see it when it when it comes out whether it be on tv whatever yeah you sometimes don't see it so I think actually it's quite must be quite nice in your job it's an it's a very immediate yeah response, that, well. that instant immediacy of, of seeing everything come together um in theatre is, is what really draws me to, to the live stage it's it's such a, a sort of pleasure to see uh, all of these skills and talents coming together um, why do you think people love coming to the theatre? I guess that cliche kind of answer is that it's that form of escapism and going to see another world and, and experience another story and sort of, you know, you spend an hour or two or three or four um, <laughs> forgetting or, you know, not thinking about, oh, I've got to do, like, the food shopping tomorrow or I've got to, like, remember to do xyz chores on my list I like going to the theatre to see something new and, and to get a new perspective on something that I might not have necessarily thought about before or seen it in that way before yeah yeah definitely I think it's very immersive I think it's unlike film and tv in that sense that you're just you can't I mean some people probably do go on their phones actually saying that but you know that it's very much you're there in that moment and there's nothing else like you say you can't, your brain sort of is attentive to what's going on in front of you on the stage I think it's becoming more immersive and, and more reflective on a modern audiences as well it's not just this idea of going to see entertainment and then going home again like I think the role of theatre is changing and the kind of work that's appearing on stage is changing and I think that's really important yeah um it might be remiss of me not to mention this so I probably will but the obviously covid has impacted the arts it's impacted everybody obviously but it has specifically i think theaters has it has affected how obviously there's an unknown as to how they'll operate in this time how has that been 
I guess for your from your perspective for the young Vic, how has how do you see that? Um, I think it's still a bit unknown, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how theatre goes forward, not just for the young Vic, but for for all theatre and for for the arts in general. Um, I think artistically, it's going to redefine in how designers approach work now that money and, and budgets will become a bit more of an issue it's not that it wasn't an issue before but factor of money and the factor of waste it's those two things that I think will become um a bit more considered that might become a theme going forward from from the circumstances of COVID and how theatre will will progress after this and I think there will also be a rejig of how how technicians work and how people in, in production departments work is I think there's that old-fashioned traditional idea that you know when you're working in theatre there's a lot of goodwill yeah. um, and you know you stay till midnight and you work on things on the weekend and you don't get paid for it and you just do it because you want to put the show on stage yeah um, everything is about just getting that show on stage and I think uh, because we're going to have to be a bit more wary about distance, a bit more wary about health, that is going to be something like that attitude of um, of how we how we value and respect people as you know humans <laughs> and yeah. humans who who work um, could would might need to change. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah, I think that's probably a very very pertinent point. I think definitely you see that. I think if anything, we've also realised that the contribution that the arts make to society because often I think it's Mm. something that's considered a bit frivolous and a bit like oh it's arts isn't it like you just it's you don't it's not you're not something you're not thinking about it that when you're whether it be watching something on the tv or going to the theatre to watch something you're not I think now more than ever people have been like that's what a lot of people have spent their time doing Mm. free time doing is watching things whether it be theatre productions that have been streamed or Netflix or whatever it is they've and that I think it plays a massive role like you say it's escapism it's moving away from your day-to-day it's learning something new so I think hopefully a new appreciation for that sector comes out of this if anything but um, yeah I think it's 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 got it's gone beyond that escapism just for entertainment's sake it's it's now uh, doing a, a much more social thinking rethinking role yeah definitely um how did you get into this world uh, so I did uh, the costume for performing arts degree at LCF. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, a couple of small, small sort of freelance roles as you do. Um, I did. I was a dye assistant on on a film um, called Color of Magic, and then I started doing dressing work on Lacajo File at the Menia Chocolate Factory. And I got on really well with the wardrobe supervisor on that show. And because it, it was one of my first roles out of uni, I was very sort of keen to, to sh- sort of try and show off all, you know, as many skills as possible. And yeah. if there was an alteration to do, I'd do it. If there was a bit of buying to do, I'd go and do it. Uh, we got on really well as, as a two-person team. I became her deputy. Um, and it was really fun to sort of do eight shows a week, dressing, doing a musical. And that was sort of my first real flavour of theatre. So you were a dresser at the Royal Opera House and you were a buyer. I'm right in saying that as well. Yes, yeah, so um, I stood up at the, at the Royal Opera House as a dresser 
um, and I did dressing work and then I started to do a bit of casual work as um, one of the performance support technicians which is like one of their sort of wardrobe technicians oh. um, so on and off I'd sort of switch between those two roles of being a dresser and being a wardrobe technician for three years um, and then I applied to the production department of the Royal Opera House as their junior buyer and general assistant. And then um, how has it then compared from doing, say, buying, supervising and dressing to then working on the production side? Do you miss all those kind of... Between running wardrobe and production wardrobe? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I guess uh, in, in, in running wardrobe, it's so sociable. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you get to work directly with the performers, which is always really lovely. And, and they're the ones who really tell you what they think about the costumes and you get to really find out um what they think about the costume and I and I always say to sort of students coming straight out of from uni or, or from college um the best what I think personally one of the best ways into the industry is through dressing it is so um immediate and personal and intimate and you get to really see what a costume does how a performer works in a costume how you see it all coming together on stage and you are there right in that bubble witnessing all of that and it's such a dynamic atmosphere you get to see all of the stage managers working with you as well and you know figuring out your quick changes and where you should put your quick change booth and how long it's going to take you and you know can you turn someone head to toe out of one costume and into another and back into their spot for their entrance in a minute you know it's really thrilling and exciting you know I think it's a great place for you to ignite your your um, passion for theatre yeah it sounds like it I always find um everyone that I speak to they always have very they do say like you said the camaraderie and the social element mm-hmm. of it is really great because you do end up becoming quite a tight-knit team of people yeah. um and in saying that I'm just going to ask you is have has there been a moment where you've been one of your biggest challenges professionally is, and how have you then overcome that challenge it could be a funny story as well, like with one of your quick changes. I just, because you mentioned that, I was like, actually, you probably have quite a few of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like one one quick change memory that I do have is um, where a singer had to change from being a, a female character into a male character. And she had to change head to toe, including um, her, her wigs and makeup. So again like working alongside like another department and another team whilst they were sort of doing everything on the top I was working my way down and then working my way back up again and and I and and from her exiting to her getting back on stage was a a, a minute a minute and 15 and I think the first time I did it you know she walked back on stage and she had her trousers on the wrong way around and (laughs) like rehearse it so many times and you just get used to like this pattern and, and you know it's like a little sort of mini drill and you can see that the, the performer is it gets into it as well like you know it's another little sideshow that they have to do when they come off stage and they do this little routine um and then they run back on stage and they you know they do their next show and it's yeah a, a minute and um, that is not a lot of time at all <laughs> I'm quite curious I'd like to be a fly on the wall yeah <laughs> 
But you do say that do you, I imagine you probably have in dress rehearsals or whatever. You do, like you said, you practice a number of times before the. Yeah, you, you know, you get you get given that time on you know, during rehearsals to practice and practice, and it and it's not just me on my own either. It's it's always with you know the the wigs and makeup team. If you're really sort of getting stuck behind in time, they'll pull another dresser to help you out. Um, and I think that's what's one of the great things is that it's. This is always teamwork. You can never pull off a show on your own and you can never, you know, no costume is ever just one person's work. There is a myriad of people working on everything. There are so many hands to, to a piece of work. Yeah, definitely. That's true. I think that's been a running theme for every most people that have been there. Like your team is essential and having a nice working atmosphere just makes everything a lot nicer and helps with anything you do I think in life but I mean especially yeah, when you're spending all your time there it shows on stage as well and when you've got really great pieces of work it, it, it's down to everyone working together you know I think it's become really clear yeah definitely um so you've had a varied career in terms of what you've so your experience has been quite varied and what you do now requires a lot of logistical uh, budgeting, organising. What skills do you need to do what you do? And actually have the other jobs that you've had in the past, how have they sort of informed what you do now as well? I feel because I've got experience in in running wardrobe and within production wardrobe, um, and I've done, you know, very small things in, in regards to like, making and alterations and dye have have even like sort of small glimpses into those worlds gives you like a, a rounded idea and into what goes on to to make a costume um and I think that's necessary in order to be a, a supervisor to be able to understand how long it might take someone to to make something so that you you can value their work and be able to apply that value to a budget um, and be able to relay that information to a designer in order for them to understand you are an important interpreter of those fields to a designer. And that, you touched upon this earlier, though, then in that respect, what advice would you give to someone wanting to come into theatre or come in, into the realm in which you work? Um, yeah, like I said, starting off in dressing and, and getting to know just like the grassroots of, of what a production is like on the side of the stage um understanding all of the different avenues that can that can make up a costume department because uh, I think when you go to when you do your degree and you're, you're just sort of doing um making or designing and then you leave and you think oh, I'm just going to be a makeup or a designer and, and it's never those two pathways oh, no. <laughs> many different roles within the department um and so it's getting to know all of those different roles and, and figuring out which one you want to do, I think is really important. And not yeah. thinking that you're you're just going to be one path because even now, like, you know, it can be later on in your career and you're not just, you know, one, one strand of, of costume. You might be doing one job one day and then be doing a different role the next day. So yeah, getting to know all those different aspects, I think, is really important. Yeah, that's really good advice, especially I think it makes you well-rounded for any, I think any job in any of that, in those fields, though, it gives you an insight into what everyone else does. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's also um, getting to know, you know, not even 
uh, costume from from our point of view, but getting to know costume from the performer's point of view, and and you know getting to know how they react to a costume, I think is really important. Why why certain singers might want to wear a corset and why some might not, you know. But to still be loyal to the to the look of of a costume, and so understanding what a designer wants and understanding what a performer wants is really important, and be able to sort of like combine those two things is yeah. part of the role as well yeah definitely that's really interesting actually because I think it's about um I guess trying to make the person wearing the costume comfortable and being able to do their job and also still realizing a vision on the other hand and being able to sort of sit between those two things yeah, there's a lot of like quiet diplomacy that goes on <laughs> <laughs> and I think you do sort of learn that skill and that's a really important skill from dressing um I remember dressing an opera singer and as soon as we got into her dressing room, she just sort of picked up the course and went, I'm not wearing this. <laughs> and then I had to figure out how to like put on the rest of the costumes so it wouldn't really look noticeable. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. In, the, in those moments, though, because I guess in those moments, it's probably easy to panic. <laughs> but then how, How? because obviously you did it in that situation. <laughs> how do you not? That's a silly, it may sound like a silly question to ask actually but yeah, no, I think um because you know they they trust you and it, and it is hard to not panic but at the same time like it everything I always think everything is is a rehearsal um and you know if it doesn't go right the first time you just do it again and figure it out for the second time so you know she didn't want to wear this corset we tried it without the corset and luckily it was all right and you sort of move on to the next thing I think remembering that it's not it's not the end of the world <laughs> it's going to be all right there will be a solution it doesn't have to be figured out in that exact moment then and then you can never go back yeah. <laughs> that's a very positive way to look at it actually I like that <laughs> um what inspires you I think I get a really good buzz out of seeing 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 what people have made with their with their hands I, that sounds really lame <laughs> Just sort of, you know, from a, if you're talking from a supervisor's point of view, like I, and I'm, and I've sent a bunch of fabric, a couple of trims, here's a drawing, you know, return this to me in a costume, and you know, and then you just get this amazing thing back, and 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 it just, it's mind blowing at how how talented people are, and and the joy of getting to work with these people, I, I think, is is what inspires me. Um, getting to meet new people who who can add to that and and you know and I love sort of trying to figure out how to get different skills on board on what you know on on a project and um editing with the designer how a create how to bring a design to fruition yeah I think that's what inspires me oh and then in just just in relation to that actually what has been the oddest request made of you in terms of something where you're like really are we is this are you sure are you sure <laughs> if you can say that essentially I don't think there is anything that odd because when it comes to sort of theatre one you know Monday's request you might think is really strange and then Tuesday happens and then you kind of go oh okay <laughs> that's why I work in this industry because you know something is always going to be different and and I don't know maybe I've become a bit too desensitized to stuff now and, and when when something odd does come up on my plate it's like oh yeah okay yeah that's that's not unreasonable yeah that's, that's totally normal 
to, to go and find this weird studded choker made of, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's become, well, I guess also for you, you would have, it's, you've built up a database or experience of being able to then go and sort of source those things or send or find find those things as it were so I think it yeah it's probably a bit of both I imagine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what has been your favorite type you can say either a type of production to work on or your favorite production to work on I do remember working on um Kosa Fantuti at English National Opera and the designers uh, Laura Hopkins and I was assisting costume supervisor Helen Johnson and it, and it was sort of based on uh a circus theme and Helen had this fantastic knowledge of uh, vintage clothing. And she would just sort of send me messages and say, like, go to this, see this person. They're waiting for you. Go to this place in Shoreditch. They're waiting for you. And, and can you pick out something like this? And that was a really fun show to work on, just to see how all these different sort of looks could come together. And, and then um, she had a really great textile breakdown artist come and, and, and work on, on the costumes and you know you sort of see all these stages of transformation from from buying uh, a dress for example and then having it fitted onto the performer and then it gets broken down um, and then you might send up to the workroom with a whole load of trim and it gets added onto it again yeah those those that process of transformation um, on that show I, I think was really memorable it sounds like it was a fun one yeah <laughs> it's a coming back soon so I really hope it does because I'd love to see it again oh um so we're coming to the end of the podcast and this is one of my favorite questions to ask which is what are your favorite your three favorite to watch recommendations oh that was really hard to think of <laughs> <laughs> everyone says that actually um so I what I think my first one was a tv series called what we do in the shadows um and it's about three vampires uh, sort of figuring out modern life in New York um, oh. and it's kind of like a uh, the, the way it's filmed is like a mockumentary and yeah it, I, it's really sort of like oddball humor it, it's kind of silly but they have like amazing uh, cameo cast coming in and, and playing different people um, uh, the three comedians in it are brilliant um, yeah it's, just, it's I think I think it's really well done <laughs> I hadn't heard I think I'd heard of the movie and I think the movie is a slightly different premise isn't it it's not yeah it's like a, so I wasn't a huge fan of, of the movie um and then the, the tv series started and I thought oh, maybe I'll just give this a go and I love the tv series now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um what's your second one uh, my second one is a, a film called The Farewell which came out last year um and it's a Chinese-American film uh, about a girl who who now uh, lives in America but she goes back to China to um, for a wedding but the wedding is actually just a, a ruse to say goodbye to uh, her dying grandma but there's like a, a Chinese tradition that you're you're not supposed to tell someone that they're they're dying um so they don't they don't tell the grandma that she's only got a couple of weeks to live and so they they're all trying to pretend to be happy because they're meant to be there for a wedding um but actually they're they're spending their last moments with their grandma so that's actually just rung a bell because I listened to a podcast a couple of years ago where I think the woman who the story is based on I think she actually acts 
has herself in it. I, I feel like now that you mentioned it, but she was talking about, I think it was This American Life, and she was talking about that, how she get, went for, I think, a cousin's wedding or something, but the grandma was had cancer, I think, as you said. Yeah, then. yeah. But she then, she still lived, I think she's kind of beat the odds and then lived. Oh, I don't yeah. know how the film ends, actually, so I don't know. But <laughs> I, it rings up, no, because you said that, and I was like, oh, wait, I've heard of this. This is why I wasn't so surprised by the premise that you mentioned, because most people would be like, <gasps> Uh, well, um, it's funny the cultural differences, though, aren't they? Because I think we living in this type, I think our generation, I, well, I, mean, I don't know, I can't imagine that being because it brings up loads of questions of is it fair or is it? Well, that's what I think that it's, uh, you know, to sort of go back to what we were saying about um, the, the changing role of the arts. And like now there's this like other um, realm in its role and in, in that it gets you, you know, um, learning about another culture like this. You know, the arts isn't just pure fantasy escapism it's now like getting you to sort of um digest uh, a, a different world and make you think about things in a different way and, and I think The Farewell is a, is a really good example of it being a Chinese American film and that you're you know it's it's bringing those two different cultures together yeah I I'm, I want to add that to, I'm, I say I want to add everything to my list to watch and I haven't got very far into my list but that's <laughs> definitely going on the list <laughs> um what was your third one there is a, a ballet called DGV, and in my worst French accent, it, DGV is Dance à Grande Vitesse, which I think it means uh, dance, dance at great speed. Um, oh. And it's choreographed by Christopher Wilden, and I saw it at the, um, the Royal Ballet. And so he did this piece of work based on, um, on, on a piece of music called Musique à Grande Vitesse by Michael Nyman. And Michael Nyman composed that piece of music to celebrate the inauguration of the high-speed train in France. And so when you're when you're watching uh, the ballet and you're listening to the music, you do kind of, uh, I felt myself sort of like moving in my seat. <laughs> oh, wow. As if you're on a train because the momentum of the music and then, and then seeing the movement on stage just sort of um, works so beautifully together. And I, I think that's one thing that I really love about ballet is when it gets you feeling like you're moving too. No, I think I'd agree. Yeah, I'd say that about a lot of theatre actually, where it's it sort of yeah gets you kind of like yeah I know it. No, I'm not describing it very well, but I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your recommendations and thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been no, really interesting. Thank you. For me. Thank you. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to costume props and jewellery makers Vicky Westgarth. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.